0: We will begin a new journey this morning uh, to a city called Colossae or Colossae, depending on who you listen to. And uh, there are a couple of different um, versions of how to say it. I was wrong altogether. I was saying it was Colossae. So I found some new information. Um, Paul's letter to the Colossians, uh, the city of Colossae. was written with a purpose Um, there was although he mentions and praises them for their love for their faith there was an issue going on and so the letter is to address that issue Uh, just a little bit of history won't do a lot of history about uh, Colossae if you see in the box at the top towards uh, the right in the smaller box is Colossae. It's located near Laodicea and Heropolis in the Lycus River Valley. And if you look to the left of the box, of the larger box, at the top left corner, you see Ephesus. And it plays a part um, because it is believed that the word was first heard at Ephesus that was brought to Colossae. Um, not too many years after this letter was written, uh, the city of Colossae was destroyed by an earthquake. It is different, commentators vary on, on the time span, but within probably five to ten years after the writing of the letter, the city was destroyed by an earthquake. It was rebuilt some years later, but it was renamed Conus, K-O-N-O-S, and it actually is in what we know now of as Southwest Turkey. So that's kind of a a little bit about the city. It's not a large city. It was not a large church. Uh, Some people wonder why Paul, with all that he had going on at the time, would take the time out to write the letter to this group of Christians in this small church. But he thought that it was very important because there was something going on that was called the Colossian heresy, and basically... What it was is that a group there had begun to intermingle other things with the gospel. They were sharing the gospel, but there was a a little bit of mysticism mixed in with it, along with a little bit of legalist Judaism that was being brought into it as well. So they were, were kind of mixing the whole thing up. So Paul felt it was very important uh, to write uh, this letter to the people in Colossae. And he says, he begins with his usual greeting, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Uh, that term, apostle, is messenger. And more than just that, it is a specific direction from God of a messenger. And Paul is saying, here is my authority to write to you in this manner, is that I have been chosen by the will of God to be the messenger to bring the gospel to you. To bring the truth of the word to you. And he says, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy did not have input in the letter. Timothy was Paul's companion at this time. Paul was in prison in Rome. Timothy is believed to possibly... Have been uh, the scribe of the letter that, that Paul's eyes were possibly failing at this point of his life, that he was no longer able to write his thoughts, that he couldn't see clearly, and that Timothy is probably the one who was actually putting pen to paper. He said, To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colosseum. I love that. He says, To the saints. He did not have any separation for. Those who are in Christ in this church, they are all saints. Praise God that, that for all of us who are in Christ, we are considered saints. It, it, it doesn't require that you've done this many good works. It doesn't require a council to convene to decide whether you are a saint or not. The moment that you receive Christ as your Savior, God looks at you and says, My Saint. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But then he does reach out to those and he calls them the faithful brothers. There were those who were being faithful to the gospel in this church. There were some who were trying to to bring these other things in and mix them with the gospel to say that, you know, the mysticism part was probably had something to do with the moon and the stars and, and and things of this earth. We have that that goes on today. People are bringing mysticism into the church. And then legalism, we don't know anything about people bringing legalism into the church, do we? Nobody's ever given you a list of ten things you do. No. Yes, it happens today. But they were bringing uh, Judaism, legalist Judaism um, traditions into the church. And so he calls those that were not doing this the faithful brothers... They were in Christ at Colossae. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. The only place that we get grace and peace is from the Father God. That's it. You're not going to find grace or peace in this world. It's not going to happen. It only comes from God. And I love you know, his greeting. Is it grace and peace? He longs for them to have these things from God, to have the peace of God. Do we long that for one another? As, as Paul writes to these people in love, he longed for them to have the grace of God and to have peace in their life. And he says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. I love that too. God has called us to have a love For all the saints, even the saints that get on our nerves. Amen? Amen. Even the saints that we don't always get along with. Even the saints that we go, what are you thinking? God calls us to have a love for all the saints. This is His church, His body. And he longs that there be unity among that body and love for one another. Unconditional love for one another. The kind of love that that we reach out to one another, that our hearts break for one another when we go through difficulties. They had a love in this church. There was a a love that was so awesome in this church. There was so much unity that was going on among the the faithful believers that it made its way to Paul, that he heard about, about the love that was in this church. That should be the goal of every church, and there are churches that I know of that love is not the first thing you think of when you think of that church, and that's a shame. Let that always be our goal, that when somebody mentions the name of Suncoast, the first thing that that, that comes to their mind is that that is a, a church full of the Spirit, loving, a loving church. We heard of your faith in Christ and the love that you have for all the saints because of, how did they have love? Because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. The gospel tells us that we have a, a great hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope now in Christ. The hope of salvation The hope to be set free from the chains that bind us in this world. We have the hope of redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only hope for this world. But we have another hope, a hope that is coming, and that is the hope of His return. As we were just singing, come Lord Jesus, come. As the believers, that is our great hope. Because we look around this world and it's messed up. You can't look at anything. We, we look at the, the events of the past week and know that this world is messed up and the only thing that's going to fix it is Jesus Christ. So we hope for those that don't know him to come to Christ. And we hope for his return and that it would be very soon. There's a lot of things that I would like to see and do in this life. It begins with little ones. They call them Grandchildren. I will give you all my son's email address and you will share this with him and his wife. I don't understand the problem. But, I, it, you know, when I think about that and you think about about holding that grandchild or, or, or achieving that goal that, that you believe that God has, has put in front of you, or, or any of these things, they pale in comparison to the hope of Christ's return and Him taking us out of this world and taking us to be with Him for eternity in a place called heaven. That's the hope. When you look around at the junk in this world, that's your focus. That's your hope. I am hoping for the return of Christ because I know at that moment that all this is done. I am... Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this you heard before in the word of truth. I love that he, he calls the gospel the word of truth because that's what it is. It is the truth. It is the only truth in this world. This world itself is a lie. The only truth that we have is the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news of Christ giving His life for us, that we have a Savior, that we have somebody who loves us so much that no matter how messed up we are, that He would go to that cross to give His life for us, to cover us in His blood and set us free from all this junk. To save us from what? From us. To save us from ourselves. Because when it comes right down to it, we're generally our issue. It's a good news. It's a good news that we have a savior. It's the good news that we don't have to be in chains to sin. It's a good news that, that we have been set free. The word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. Paul looked at the gospel, he looked at the good news. Almost as a traveler. And this traveler came to them. And it is believed that, that possibly, and, and we, we, we hear about Epaphras or Epaphroditus in a little while, that, that Epaphroditus started the church. Paul did not, for most accounts, did not start the church at Colossae. It is believed that Epaphroditus or Epaphras, he started the church, and that it's the possibility that he heard the gospel in Ephesus... When Paul was preaching in the courts of Tyrannus. Because it, it, the, the word tells us in Acts that the gospel went out to all the world from that. And so that's why the, the, the most commentators will tell you that that, it's, that is the probability of the church being started. And that Epaphras, probably for most of the area with Heropolis, Heropolis and Laodicea, that, 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 that was Epaphras' ministry. That was his mission field. That he brought the gospel to those churches. And it says, in the whole world, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit. The gospel as a traveler did not stop there. And and when Paul looks at this in the whole world, Paul looked at, at basically at that time the Roman world was the whole world to them. They had no idea of anything pretty much outside of that. But when they say the whole world that Roman world that, that, that was uh, their reality is pretty much the whole world as they looked at it. It is bearing fruit and increasing. And it is still bearing fruit today. When the truth of the gospel is understood in our hearts, it can't help but to bear fruit. All of us who are in Christ... His life in us, when we allow that life to do its work, when we allow that life to be everything, and it's an outpouring of us, it is bearing fruit in our world. Uh, I I found it sometimes unusual that for young people, their world is like the neighborhood. I mean, you, you talk about anything outside the neighborhood, and they're like, deer in the headlights. You mean there's something outside of my neighborhood? That's their world. They are to bear fruit in that world. Wherever God has placed us, that is where we are to be bearing fruit. It says, It is also as it also does among you, bearing fruit in Colossae, since the day you heard it, and I love this, and understood the grace of God in truth. That's a good place to be. When you get to that point that you understand what grace really is, because you know, there's a lot of people out there that really have no idea the depth of grace. They've they they they've been someplace or they, they've been under teaching where it was pretty much, here's what you do, here's your list, now go take care of this list, do these things, and God loves you. If you do these things... You're pleasing to Him. If you go through these motions, this is what... And they have no idea of the, the, the depths of, of God's grace for us. The understanding of how much He loves us. The understanding of how, no matter how wretched we are, no matter how bad we get, that His love overcomes all of that. That there's nothing we can do to make God not love us. The depths of His grace, I'm not sure that we ever truly understand the depths of His grace. But for our mind, it's the the difference between a puddle beside the road and the true depths are the depths of the ocean that we cannot even imagine. Immeasurable is the grace of God for you and I. But when you start to to begin to understand that, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I remember that day. I remember the, the, the day that, that, in my mind, God kind of revealed to me that all this legalist stuff, all this stuff that I was doing to try to gain His favor was doing me no good. And He revealed this grace to me. And I remember that day, and I remember that aha moment. It was more like an oh, wow moment. You know, when I understood the depth of His love for me. And that's what He longs for everyone. To understand that grace in truth because there are those who will twist it. The truth of grace is that it is for everyone and that it has nothing to do with us. It is all Him. And if we try to put anything into it we mess it up. 1% of us is too much. The grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, Epaphras heard the gospel, took it to Colossae, got excited. Can you see Epaphras? Hearing the gospel up in Ephesus, going home, he was from Colossae, going home, telling his friends, you should have heard what I heard. Up at Ephesus, you should hear this guy preach. He got excited. And when he got excited, guess what happened? Other people got excited. We got to be excited about the gospel. If you want to see your friends and neighbors come to Christ, if you want to see lost people, get excited about the gospel. I mean, if you're going to... I go to church on Sunday. It's okay. You want to go? No. That's not how... It's, it's you tell them, get excited about what Christ is doing in your life. Because if you're his, he's doing something. He's active in your life. Share that. Share a passion for Jesus Christ. Share about somebody who loves you so much that no matter how messed up we get, he covers all of that with his blood. That he set us free. Get excited. Epaphras got excited and he went home And the next thing you know, there's a church. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. One thing just to kind of look back at that that whole passage between 3 and 8. You see that there's there's a theme. It begins with faith. And it talks about hope. And it ends with love. These are three things that that, that Paul uh, loves to talk about. Faith, hope, and love. And we need all three of those. He said, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Paul prayed without ceasing. An attitude of prayer always... On his heart, thinking of people and praying. We need to pray for one another. And I love that he said to be filled not with works, not with busyness, but to be filled with the knowledge of God, his will. What is it that he desires for you as an individual? We we, we share with our students a lot, and, I, and I've shared with y'all a lot, that, that the scripture that says that God has a plan for us, and it's to prosper us and not harm us, to give us hope in a future. He has a plan for your life. How are we going to know what that is if we don't seek out the knowledge of His will for us? If we don't seek Him, if we don't be in His presence, if we don't look at His Word, if we don't read His Word and spend time in His presence to get His favor, we do these things to find out what His will is for us. And the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, once upon a time, I would give you a list of 10 things that you needed to do to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm not go do that. There is only one walk that is worthy of Christ, and it's his walk. This is the importance. Of the preceding verse, that talks about needing to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you're not filled with His knowledge of all spiritual it's easy to be led astray. There are a lot of people led into bad situations, false doctrines, cults, false religions, because... They don't have the knowledge of His will for their life. They don't have that spiritual knowledge. Spiritual knowledge is important for you and I. It's important for us to be in God's house, to hear His word, to learn, to to sit and, and, and read His word, to talk to Him, to listen when He speaks to us because He will speak to you. It prevents people from being drawn away. It prevents things from happening like happened within this church. That other things, mysticism and and, and legalism, were being brought in and mixed with the gospel. He's praying for their knowledge of all spiritual things to prevent these things from happening. That's where each of us in our walk need to be. What is a walk worthy of the Lord? His walk in our life. Understanding and knowing what His will is for us. And the only way we do that is to spend time in His presence. You're not going to find it in a fortune cookie. It's not on Facebook. It's in here. And it's in his presence. That's the walk worthy of the Lord, understanding and knowing what his will is, not what our desires are. So you may walk, so you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God; those things come as fruit. And I love that he talks about in every good work. A lot of times, we don't think about the little things. Uh, it was, I believe, Charles Spurgeon um, who who talked about this in saying that that don't get hung up on the big fruit. In every good work, when when there's someone. Who's in need, I think, and I had notes but my computer crashed, so I had to go to the backup computer, so I don't have notes. So I'm going to butcher Charles Spurgeon right here, okay, just so y'all know. But he talked about, you know, not just in the big things, in the little things. If you have the ability to preach, then preach. If you have the ability to teach, then teach. If there is someone who is in need of a meal from your table, carry that meal from your table and give it to them. If there is somebody in need of a hug, if there is somebody in need of a good word, if there is somebody just in need of, hey, can I pray for you? That is every good fruit. Don't get so hung up on the big one that you forget the little fruit. The little fruit's good stuff. Change a person's day, change a person's heart, change a person's life with the little fruit. It doesn't always have to be the big stuff. May you be strengthened With all power. I love that. His power. Not our power. His power. Our power will get us in trouble. His power will get us out of trouble. His power. The very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is the power over sin and death in our life. His power. According to His glorious might. His might. And I love that... that When God gives us anything, He gives us a part of Himself, He gives us all of it. the, The might of God, the power of God is given to you and I as the believer. Satan has no power over you. For all endurance, we need some endurance, and patience with joy. Well, we, we sometimes can do the endurance and patience thing, but it generally comes with a little mumbling and a little grumbling. He tells us to be endure these sufferings, endure these hardships, endure patience, be patient with one another, endure each other, and do it with all joy, knowing that, that one day He's going to make us all just like Him. And then we can share with one another. You know that thing you used to... No, never mind. (laughs) Never mind. Endurance and patience with joy, and it only comes from Him. Giving thanks to the Father. And I love this. Who has qualified us? We are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. How did He qualify us? He saved us. He sent His Son to die for us. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are not qualified for the inheritance. It's a picture of adoption. God has adopted us as sons and daughters. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ of every good gift that He gives the Son, He gives to you and I. But we must be qualified, we must sign the adoption papers. Receive His Son. Be born again. That's how He qualified us, by sending Jesus to save us. He qualified us for that inheritance, that glorious inheritance. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He transferred us he delivered us it's it's a picture of taking us out of this world taking us out of adam and placing us in christ we are no longer over there we are now over here literally in christ adopted by god the father in the family approved for the inheritance qualified and he pulled us out of that darkness he pulled us out of this By the blood of Jesus. That word redemption there in in the last part of that, that verse is ransomed. It's like a ransom. He ransomed us. There was a price that had to be paid for our sin. He ransomed us with his very blood. He gave his life to ransom you and I. That we could be qualified to share in the inheritance with him. That is what Christ did for you and I. You know, you think about somebody who's been ransomed. The ransom has been paid. We have been set free. We are over here in the Father. Why do we keep running back to the captors? I'm just saying. We find ourselves that we have been set free and we've been placed over here. But that darkness that he talks about, it, it lures us. The darkness is lit with a neon sign that says, hey, come do this. Hey, remember this. Hey, remember me. And so even though that ransom has been paid, if we're not careful, we find ourselves running back to the darkness. God has set us free.